Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to fix this so that I have to go back to church. So you're done. I, I wanted to be have permission to leave church. Huh. And wow. I wasn't prepared to engage with people. I didn't want to meet new people. I didn't want to put the smile on and have the, Hi, I'm Pauline. And, yeah. I, I didn't have any... No, I appreciate that. A, a, a space for Your any... Your tank was empty. It was, it was done. This is Focus on the Family, and today you'll hear about the unique challenges and stresses that pastors face, and how you can help and encourage those who serve in your local church. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, I don't know that we think enough about our pastoral care folks, and sometimes that's taking them for granted. And today we want to concentrate on how they're serving, what the pressures are for them and for their families, and what we can do to encourage our pastors. October is Clergy Appreciation Month, a time when we recognize and celebrate our pastors and their families. Just think about everything a pastor is trying to do, counseling and praying over hurting families, visiting people in the hospital and the shut-ins, teaching and preaching, of course. And I would think feeling great at every Sunday. Was it a good sermon or maybe it was a D minus? I mean, you're saying bye to people at the door and you're looking at them saying, okay, did I hit the mark? I mean, it's got to be very, um, you know, difficult at times. And I know pastors feel under tremendous pressure. And we want to talk about that today. One, so you're aware of it. And two, we have a solution that you might be able to help pastors do better. Yeah. So we have a panel of guests today in the studio, and they're going to describe offering hope and godly encouragement to pastors and their spouses through the retreat centers they direct. There are retreat centers across the U.S. and Canada that really reach out and help church and ministry leaders, and we'll post a list of those ministries at focusonthefamily.ca. Marshall and Mary Izinga are with us, and they served as pastors for 35 years in Ontario, Canada, and they co-direct the Carith Creek Retreat Center in Alberta, and we also have Sam and Pauline Dirksen. They were pastors for 22 years and they now co-direct the Kareth Pines Retreat Center in Manitoba. Let me say welcome to all of you to Focus. Now, did we describe that pretty well? I mean, you have been pastors for many years, and you've counseled pastors for many years. Did I miss anything, or was that a fairly good description? No, what I would add to that as you were talking is the fact that pastors are really first responders. Hmm. When you think of what they do, uh, you talked about counseling, and those counseling opportunities come not only in an office, it can come in a hospital room, it can come around mm-hmm. a coffee table. And as people pour their hearts out to the pastor, pastor hears a lot of things, carries a lot of weight. And that can, that's a tremendous burden at times mm-hmm. to carry. What are some of those uh, routine things that we as lay people may not understand that really do lay a heavy emotional burden on a pastoral couple? Well, I think as uh, 
there's this vicarious trauma in a sense. So mm-hmm. we're walking alongside people that are in the hospital and other places, and um, we're affected by that. People, pastors, are affected by uh, caring for others. It's not without an effect. And uh, I think of Luke chapter 8, where uh, Jesus is walking in the crowd, and a lady, the woman touches him, and she's healed. And he turns around and says, you know, I felt that some power left me. What happened? Who is that? It does take something. We're mm-hmm. affected by it. Now, that's Jesus, and we are human pastors. Uh, mm-hmm. We will be affected by helping others and in the way we help them. We need to be careful about that. I think another dynamic that happens when you're coming alongside families and you're in the, the heat, if you will, the heat of the trauma, the heat of the despair and the grieving, and you come home and your family, your kids didn't know what you had to face today right. and they want to engage with you and yet you're trying but you can't and so it affects not only the pastor and his wife or his spouse but your kids sense that something's off but they don't know yeah. what happened <laughs> yeah. and so that's an interesting dynamic that other families may not be aware of yeah and I, you know being a pastor's Spouse, I mean, that's really critical too. What demand? How did you feel in that role? Um, you know, often to me, there's a sense of having to be perfect, making sure everything is exactly right, making sure the kids behave perfectly. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing amount of pressure. How do you not take the bait to try to be all that? <laughs> well, it was a challenge, no question. I was a preacher's kid. And so I saw my mom, the way to carry the weight of that. So I think I went into ministry with some additional baggage. Um, But as I grew, and I think it depends on which church, right? Which church you're in, what environment you're in, how much they expect. We were in a larger church, multi-staff, so I didn't carry the weight of that. Sometimes they weren't even sure who was the lead pastor's wife, and that was a help to Mm, me. But there were certainly times of real loneliness. And who does the pastor's wife tell that she's lonely or she's struggling? And um, that was a challenge for me. I How did know. you solve that? What advice do you have to the pastor's wife who's listening? You know, I, I went to God and I said, Lord, I really need a close friend. And um, for me, I, I had to find it outside my church. Another, yeah. It was another pastor's wife. Yeah. And the Lord dropped a name in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to her, I, we actually went for coffee and I said, do you want to be my friend? And she said, yeah, do you want to be my friend? It was like junior high. Oh my goodness. And yet she was a gift to me, and uh, God gave her to me. Okay. Let me paint a picture for those who are saying, you know, I don't even know the world of my pastor. I maybe shake his hand on the way out the door or mm-hmm. maybe say hello occasionally. But um, let me give you some data and have you respond to it. Um, this is research that showed that 50% of pastors have said they would quit if they could. That right there should be a jaw dropper. 70% um, have a lower self-esteem now than when they started in the ministry. Something is unhealthy there. Uh, That shouldn't be the way it goes. Uh, What's fueling that kind of discouragement, do you think? I think there's expectations that a board can have of a pastor, expectations of congregants, and then there are your own expectations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what can happen, what we see and hear, is that people can be trying to meet those expectations and they're owning somebody else's expectations and you can never satisfy people. Hmm. You know, I remember one of our mentors said to us, um, 
you know that 15% of the congregation isn't going to like you on a particular Sunday. And Think of the that. Next, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, just yeah. say that again. Yeah. You walk into work knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Are not going like to like you. And yeah. the next yeah. Sunday, it'll be a different 15%. Yeah. Because, because of what you're saying. Because yeah. of what you're saying or something yeah. you did or something you didn't do in a service that you did the week before that they liked. Right. Let me let me interject here. Have you found that oftentimes it's because you've touched a raw nerve? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're responding mm-hmm. because you've really opened something up that's a wound. Yeah, isn't that true? That would be very. I would true. think most of the time that's accurate. You're stepping on something that maybe they haven't dealt with yet, or well, they... it isn't that part of the struggle, right? You're so you're you're their pastor, right. and you can you want to shepherd them and you want to guide them and, and direct them at the same time. They're not treating you in a way that is making you feel like you want to shepherd them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the human side of the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. If there's respect and they come and talk to you or you can see them near face-to-face and you're not speaking through the bush and that kind of a thing, that, that mm. is the best way to go. Let's be honest about it. What is the, the issue that you have? Then we can have a conversation about it. Right. But otherwise we can't because as pastors, I think it's really important for us to also understand our humanness. Yeah. Well, I thought you were talking marriage advice. Yeah, this is yeah. pastors and congregants. I thought it was husbands and wives. Um, you yeah. actually have an incredible story about your situation, the pressure that you two were under, and you went to Carith Creek. You actually experienced it, I think, in 2011, right? Yeah. But, um, Sam, what were you doing? What was the situation? We'd been in uh, the pastorate for 19 years at that point. And we're getting tired. I would say the word exhausted would probably be a good word. And uh, there was just a number of things going on, uh, health issues in uh, my family. And uh, we were in the middle of a church building project. And there was tensions and conflicts in our uh, leadership team. And so all of those things together, not just the ministry, but mm-hmm. all of those things together, uh, really made us tired, made me tired. And I felt pretty exhausted and wasn't sure what to do about it. And so I remember going to a physician and talking to him, and he took 45 minutes with me uh, just talking about this kind of thing and whether there was some depression involved and so on. And then about two months later, I was sharing my story with someone else, and uh, I said, you know, sometimes I'm just laying on the couch or on the floor. I'm not quite sure what to do. And he looked at me and said, Sam, I don't know how to answer your, uh, your question or I don't know how to solve your problem, but just let me, next time you feel like that, give me a phone call and I'll come and lay down beside you. Huh. Mm. And for me, it was just uh, in a how moment, a God moment that helped me understand that he believed me and uh, now we could work with it. Yeah. But until that point, you just felt like, where do I go from here? What do I do? Mm. Pauline, how do you shore that up? You see your husband in that situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're carrying that burden yeah. as well, and, but probably feeling like I've got to be everything here. Well, I definitely felt the pressure to... You know how it is when you're married and and your spouse is at a lower point, you want to be more positive, more optimistic, and and carry more. And you often that vacillates, right? So one is down and the other is up. And but we found ourselves at a place we were both down. I just yeah. didn't have energy either to to encourage Sam because I wasn't feeling that much encouraged either. In fact, I was getting more and more angry. You know, it's one thing to to deal with the needs that people have in lives of unbelievers, but when tension comes within believers, that threw me for a loop. I didn't expect that. And and with the the degree that it went, it did. And it rocked my faith. I was like, Lord, you know, you've called us here and you've called them here. And why is there tension? Why can't we, um, 
it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, we're, that's, we're your church. And that's probably why you yeah. see that number of 50% yeah. would do something else if they could, 50% of yeah. pastors, mm-hmm. 70% feel less equipped now than when they started in the ministry and, yeah. and more discouraged. Mm-hmm. Kareth Retreat. Um, describe that experience for yourselves, given the low point that you're both in. So you went to Kareth in 2011 mm-hmm. as pastors, as a pastoral couple, engaging it. What was it like? Uh, why did it help you? We walked to the front doors and we thought, so what are we doing here? It's terrifying. <laughs> we don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't Would have be, time for yeah, this. Yeah, I think Absolutely. that'd be the common thing. Yeah. I don't even think it was, for yeah. myself, it wasn't the time factor. It was... I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to fix this so that I have to go back to church. So you were done. I, I wanted to be have permission to leave church. Huh. And wow. I wasn't prepared to engage with people. I didn't want to meet new people. I didn't want to put the smile on and have the, hi, I'm Pauline. And yeah, I, I didn't have any. No, I appreciate that. A, a, a space for your any tank was empty. It was it was done. Well, when we got to Calgary, <laughs> and, we, we yeah. ended up uh, having lunch, and we got back in the car. We put back the seats, and we fell asleep in the parking lot. We, we were just tired, and so then we made our tired. way to the retreat center and. When we get there, uh, they told us, hey, you know what? There's no pressure. You can relax. You can rest. You have permission to rest right now. And we did. So the first couple of days, we did what we needed to, but we slept a lot. Yeah. And we got some good energy back. And that's at Kareth, we kind of recognized, yeah, we are, we are human. And we need to embrace our humanness and recognize that we have limitations. Yeah. But, you know, the permission that came for me at, at the creek was the fact that, you know, you have permission to be human as you serve. I don't have to be some superwoman that has, you know, as you mentioned, the kids all had to be in tow and the, their clothes had to be such and your smile on your face. I have permission to be real and I have permission to hurt when you have someone in your church yeah. that you're not just helping a grieving family, but you're grieving too. And uh, when we left there, it's not like we had all this magical formula now yeah. to go home and everything is, you know, miraculously changed. Right. But it's we still had the permission. Stuff. The stuff yeah. was still there, but we now had tools to to mm. learn how to minister yeah. from a healthier place. And thankfully, you're still in yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. At Focus on the Family Canada, we're always seeking to meet the changing and growing needs of your family. That's why we've developed our free Focus on the Family magazine. It's spiritually grounded and relevant to your needs. Get your free subscription at FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Find parenting tips, practical marriage guidance, useful advice on media, and encouraging ways to help your family grow in Christ. Sign up for your free subscription of Focus on the Family magazine today. Visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. Hi, I'm Chris. Did you know that the Odyssey Adventure Club is now available around the world? Listeners in more than 200 countries can access every Adventures in Odyssey episode wherever they are. The club is a great way to put faith into action, too, because a portion of every membership goes directly to people sharing the love of Jesus. Now, wherever you live, 
from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe, you can join the club today at oaclub.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Marshall and Mary, we're not going to let you off the hook here. So (laughs) you've been listening to Pauline and Sam. But um, you also have a powerful story about a couple that you encountered at the retreat center there in Alberta. Uh, Describe the challenges that that couple was going through. It's probably very similar, but why did that story stick out in your mind? They were a missionary couple Ah. and had come back uh, to Canada. You know, you hear stories all the time, and this one was a case of Man, we couldn't really find anything that went well for them overseas. In fact, Mm. she came home and was diagnosed with PTSD. And when they came, they only came to Kareth because their denominational leader said, you are going. So they came in very closed at first. He was very distant. She was kind of open as we would talk. But, you know, there was no desire to be there because they didn't think anything could ever be fixed. They were really in a state of hopelessness. And they, so we went through the week with them, and we heard their story, and, and we were grieving with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sunday night, in the course of the week, the Sunday night is beautiful because it's a communion service. And at the end of the communion service, we love to pray with each of the couples. So Mary and I were going, and we, put our, we just knelt down in front of this couple, and the Lord dropped this verse into my heart. And I thought, oh, I, how do I share this verse? And I thought, okay, it's not going away, so I'm just going to pray this verse over him. So I pray this verse. And uh, at the end of it, he says to me, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking, yeah, you probably do, and you're probably going to let me have it, because he just still wasn't open. So for an hour and a half, he really just opened up even more. But then he said to me, you know that we were going to quit. We were going back. We were leaving here Tuesday. We had an appointment Tuesday afternoon to meet with our denominational leader. We were leaving the ministry. But he said, that verse you prayed over me is the verse God called me into the ministry. And it was a reminder that God's not done with us. Mm -hmm. We felt done. We felt finished. Mm -hmm. We felt as if we'd come to the end. But your prayer tonight has sparked hope. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that we get so beaten up, so run yeah. down, that it has to be that desperate moment. But mm-hmm. what a great testimony they have that yeah. God didn't yeah. forget them yeah. um, and that God still had a plan for them. Mary, tell me in that context again, when you're ministering to the wives of these spouses mm-hmm. that feel so hopeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopelessness is a hard thing to overcome in any walk of life. But when you're a person that should be full of hope yeah. because you're – a Christian and you're a Christian leader, you're a pastor, you should be full of this hope right. and you don't have it. What do you do? Um, I find it's the lack of hope. And it's also what I'm seeing. I went through it certainly in my own life, but I'm hearing it all the time. Pastors' wives is a deep sense of disappointment because mm. you didn't think it would be like this. You prayed that it would be different. You believed it would be different. You parented different. Mm. And yet you're faced somewhere along the line with this profound sense of disappointment. One author says that it arrives so quietly, this disappointment, I didn't even know it was there until I spoke it out loud. Mm-hmm. And I certainly felt it in my own life, and we see that all the time in pastors' wives. It was uh, during one of our first retreats. And again, during this communion service, we were praying 
and um, for the couples, and we just knelt down and just laid our hands on them and began to pray, just a simple prayer. And the pastor's wife began to weep from this really deep place. And you could tell that something was happening. And the next day she said to us, I'm so sorry, I could not contain this deep cry of my heart. And I said, can you tell me what was happening? And she said, "Um, when you knelt down and you, you laid your hands on us and began to pray, I realized that that was the first time in over two decades that a pastor and his wife had ever come and prayed with us. And she said that first time was when they, and the last time was when they sent us um, into ordination, when we were ordained to the ministry. Mm. And she said for two decades, I've been without, we've been without that. Yeah, so all output, no input. Yeah, and she said it was so, I wonder what our lives would have been like and ministry would have been like if we would have had um, other leaders coming around and praying for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it met this felt need in her heart. And so, and we see that all the time happening. Yeah. Mary, what you mentioned the disappointment. Is that disappointment with God or with his people or with your performance? Mm, it's a great question. I think it's a combination of things. For me, it was disappointment with God. Mm-hmm. I, I really had a crisis of faith in 2014, and um, I was deeply disappointed, and it was with God. And I didn't know who to go to, because who does the pastor's wife go to? Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I just said one morning, Marshall came in, I was, I can remember exactly where I was standing, and it wasn't that long ago, it was 2014, and I said to him, I want you to know I'm not praying anymore. It's done, I'm done, I'll sit in the front row with you, I won't jeopardize your position, but I want you to know I'm done praying. God's not answering our prayers. So I, I stopped praying, and our war room, my war room, was no longer the war room, it was just our spare bedroom. But I didn't stop reading my Bible. And God spoke to me directly out of Romans 11, verses 33 to 36 one morning. And um, I realized I was going to have to make a decision. Was I going to trust him um, not knowing what the outcome was? Was I going to trust that he was a good father and that he was working behind the scenes? And uh, it was a tipping point for me. And uh, I knew I had to make a decision. What, in, what was Romans 11? Give us the verse so we can... <clears throat> it was, uh, oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge, how unsearchable his ways and his paths beyond tracing out who can know the mind of the Lord or who has ever been his counselor, mm-hmm. who has ever given to God that God should repay him for through him and to him and in him are all things. And at that moment, I was confronted with my own need. I felt God owed me an explanation um, why he wasn't doing things or why he was doing things. And I knew I was going to have to decide what was I going to do not knowing, not knowing. Well, I appreciate so much that vulnerability, you know, and that's where we learn that pretending, Pauline, that we talked about a moment ago, uh, Mary's really hitting it there. Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest. And uh, I so appreciate that. Mm -hmm. It does give us an action item for those who are in the pews, you know, those of us that aren't in pastoral leadership, how we can um, ask our pastor if we can pray for them right right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that you have that story that that couple had not been prayed for for two decades should be a wake-up call to the rest of us sitting there, how blessed they would be. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true of most pastors. That's probably Mm -hmm. not unique to be able to go up at the end of the service when things are quiet and done and say, can we just pray for you? They'd probably start crying. Yes, Mm -hmm. they do. Because nobody has done that. 
Um, we have an opportunity during October to encourage and celebrate pastors and their families because of Clergy Appreciation Month. This is your chance to let your pastor know how much you care about them, and maybe with a card or a simple gift. Some churches like to organize a banquet or some kind of uh, an event to recognize their pastor. And if you'd like some creative ideas about how and what you can do, we have a free planning guide for you at our website. And I want to recommend you check it out. And don't limit your positive feedback to the month of October. Pastors and their families need to know that we, the people sitting in the pews, care about them throughout the year. But this is a great reminder today that we need to start somewhere. So please, contact us about how you can begin encouraging your pastor in the days ahead. We have several resources that I know you'll find helpful. One is our Clergy Appreciation Month Planning Guide. And then we have a list of retreat centers that offer rest and renewal for church and ministry leaders. And of course, the book I mentioned earlier, The Heart of a Great Pastor, which offers a lot of encouragement uh, to pastoral couples. We'd be happy to send a copy of that book to you as you make a donation of any amount to Focus on the Family, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. Uh, That's our way of saying thank you for partnering with us to show pastors and their families how much we care And uh, we'll have all the details on the website. Let me pop one last question, and y'all can answer one of you, whatever. Um, A practical thing. So someone's heard this, they've noticed, maybe they've talked to the pastor's wife and they know there's some difficulty. Uh, What is something we can do to help our pastors today? Well, I'll tell you one of the things that we found neat was gift cards. For them, yeah, yeah. We take a date night. Here's a card. Yeah, yeah. And so we've uh, we were the beneficiaries of that. And then now that we're sitting in the pew for in October, that's what we did for our pastor. We said, hey, here's a gift card. This is for you and your wife. You Mm -hmm. find somebody to take care of your kids. And then he sent us a note and said, man, that was such a neat idea that you had for us. Well, I so appreciate Pastors Appreciation Month, but H.B. London, who was at Focus, started that. I think even Hallmark picked up on it and started doing cards. So when you get that, that's a pretty good idea. But I think H. would also say he laments the fact that that's great we are concentrating in October, but we got 11 other months. And how beautiful it is to do some things throughout the year. So that's a great idea. Thanks for that. Can I add one? Sure. Okay. So when I, uh, we have four kids and so the house was busy and we had a couple approach us one time and say, you know what? We're taking your kids go-karting and you can't come. You guys get the night off and we're taking your kids. I was going to say exactly that one. So, <laughs> so you remember that and, one too? Well, yeah. You know? Sam, you wanted to go go-karting. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Leave the kids yeah. here and we'll go go-karting yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when, as a mom, to have somebody pour yes. into your yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of the role that you play and the difference that you're making in their lives, like that just does something to you. That's fantastic. And, and they That's love a on great them, idea. You know, and, yeah. and it's evident today because we, we too were in the same church for 22 years. And our kids, that's home for them. Yeah. And it's multi-generational, and it's because those of those events throughout those times. Hey, we're we're going to take them. We're just well, still home that, for that us was too. huge. That well was said. huge. Yeah. Well said. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great you. to be yeah. here. What a great conversation we've had today with our panel of guests who have helped us to better understand the important need to care for our pastors and their families and to pray for them on a regular basis. Now, don't forget the resources that we've mentioned along the way, the free planning guide for ways to celebrate your pastor this month and the list of retreat centers that offer rest 
and refreshment to ministry leaders. And then finally, the book, The Heart of a Great Pastor, is a really good gift idea for your pastor. Learn more about all of these resources at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. I hope you have a wonderful weekend with your family and with your church family as well, of course. And then uh, please join us again on Monday. We're going to have insights and encouragement from comedian Ken Davis. Do you know what almost 60 years of living has taught me? Only with God does thrill come to life. Only with God does fulfillment come to life. Everything else leaves you stranded on the beach feeling cheap. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.